In a world where people are famous for doing nothing, we're here to discover the ordinary individuals who take giant leaps to do something extraordinary. Welcome to Moving Forward. Welcome back to our 50th episode anniversary edition. I'm your host today, Krista Nepper, and my guest is Josh Wyatt. Josh is the Chief Strategic Officer and co-owner of Generator Hostels. Josh, thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. I know it took a bit to get coordinated since you are in London and I am in California, but I'm grateful for you making the time. And first and foremost, tell us a little bit about Generator. So Generator is the world's first urban design hostel concept. Uh, We started it a little over eight years ago, um, really inspired by what all of the great pioneers had done in the boutique uh, lifestyle hotel space. So the pioneers like Andre Bellage and Ian Schrager and Barry Sternlich, who had created all of these iconic hotel companies that were driven by design and programming, I took a look at that and I thought to myself, you know what, wouldn't it be cool to be able to do that in the hostel space uh, and bring design to the masses? And, uh, and that's what we've been able to do over the last eight years. It's been an incredible run. I love that. So what was your interest behind the hotel and hostel industry in general? Have you always had an eye for design or an interest in that? Well, I've always traveled a lot. So my uh, my average year consists of going to you know anywhere between sort of fifteen to twenty countries a year, wow. uh, and all over uh, all over the United States in, in a previous life. So um, I've stayed in probably I'd say over a thousand, maybe fifteen hundred nights in a hotel. Uh, so the collective experience of being on the road and and seeing hotels, I just sort of fell in love with it. And wanted to do it full time. So a little over uh, 10 years ago, uh, I got into the hotel space after graduating from business school. And since then, I've been able to have the fortune um, to not only have created um, and, and really driven generator, but, uh, but several other hotel concepts and ideas. Have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Has this been on the list or a dream of yours? Well, I, I think, you know, if you look at, what an entrepreneur is or who an entrepreneur is and, and what drives them. I, I think the answer is that there's always a sense of restless creativity and, and innovation. Uh, and, and that's always been a part of my life. And, and therefore, really since my mid-20s, I've been a part of a number of different startups and concepts. Uh, so before business school, uh, I started a company that was more in the technology space um, and we had a successful five-year run there and sold the business. And on the back of that, I went back to business school. Uh, and since then, I've been a part of, um, you know, and I've had the fortune to have been able to team up with um, a number of real estate and hotel entrepreneurs, um, as well as myself, to, to drive uh, different concepts. Obviously, Generator being the, the main concept and really a, a global success, which has been fantastic. One of the common themes I've noticed with the entrepreneurs I've spoken to is that they're not risk adverse. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know you're not either. You're let's try it. Let's throw the pasta on the wall. Let's see what sticks. Where does that come from for you? Well, you know, that question reminds me of, of a great quote. And actually, I don't know who described this quote to, but it goes something like this, which is it's, it's always difficult to say no until there's a better yes. And, and I think that if, if you sort of peel that back and you think about creating things and taking risks, I, I think it's an important 
framework when one is thinking about their own career and their own life to think about what is out there and, and how you can say yes to that. Um, and that drives risk profile. So it's very easy to, to say no to a lot of things, but you also have to take a step back and say, you know what, here's some amazing ideas out there and I want to try it out. Um, and that's what's driven me. And I think that's what drives a lot of entrepreneurs, which is this, this ability to take that risk in a calculated way yeah. And, yeah. and drive it forward. So do you have any spiritual or personal practices behind your productivity and your success? That's another theme I've noticed with entrepreneurs. They are surprisingly spiritual. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a very fair and, and actually cogent um, observation. Um, you know, spirituality is defined many different ways, but for me, spirituality is defined as a sense of needing and wanting to belong to something. And, um, and that's sort of my personal life and, and my sort of my psychological profile. Um, and the need to create something that's lasting. And so for me, I find spirituality in sort of everyday um, interactions with my, my family, uh, my wife, um, and, and the businesses that I, that I've been able to build with obviously generator being one of them. So, um, you know, I, I think in times of entrepreneurial fight and, and toughness, you have to have a foundation to be able to retreat to uh, that brings a sense of calmness. And uh, and again, you know, as I mentioned, spirituality is different these different people. But for me, yeah. having that base and that ground um, is sort of my spirituality, and and it creates a sense of of peace when oftentimes there's turbulence all around me. It's interesting. I've never heard it defined that way, but it's the same bottom line. I think people take great comfort in spiritual practices or spiritual beliefs in knowing that there's something larger going on out there, whether you call it the divine or the universe or what have you. I think that's really interesting how you define that. What do you think that you do best? And this is where you get to brag. Usually I have to give my guests permission for this question. <laughs> Well, I, I, I mean, look, I think, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, uh, I think really it's, it's actually just sort of taking, it's taking risk and, um, and having the ability to charge forward despite the many no's that are coming up against you. So I think what I do best is look at the challenges and all the no's and, and all the resistance and continue to drive a vision forward no matter what the obstacle is. So maybe it's being stubborn. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to say that, um, you know, myself and, and, and our team is you know, the most innovative people in the world. I, I'm not so sure. But what I do know is that, you know, my personality and, and the people that I've surrounded myself with um, have a tendency to um, push forward no matter what the obstacles are. And, and for me, that's led to my success, I think. Um, uh, oftentimes, it's about putting in the work to be in a position to be lucky. And, uh, and I think we all, you know, at, at, at Generator, um, you know, and, and our investors and, and the people that have backed us, I think we've, we've worked really hard to be in that position to be successful. I think a lot of people, one of their aversions to risk is that they take the no very personally. What prevents you from doing that? Well, this is, this is an excellent question, and I'm going to be um, self-critical here. Um, you know, I do take it personally, actually, sometimes. And, 
and I think that's okay. Um, it doesn't mean that I let it get in the way. Um, but I think, you know, there's, there's two schools of thought here in terms of business. Um, one school of thought is to be extremely non-emotional and, and um, almost sort of autocratic uh, in a way. Um, and that works for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, there's another school of thought to say, look, you know, you have certain choices in life, especially when you're an entrepreneur, to try to create a framework that means something. So my business does mean something. Generator does mean something to me. And, and I do take it personally sometimes when we have failures or when, when we say no or when we get a no said to us. Um, and while some people may not agree with that approach, I think for me that served me well because I'm engaged and, it, and, I, and I'm committed and I'm passionate. And I, I think that, that dedication, that passion helps me to um, continue to, to keep going, you know, and it helps me to really see, um, you know, see the future. I like that. I think it's very honest. It's funny, as you're speaking, it reminds me of that scene from Erin Brockovich. I'm sure you saw that movie. 15 years ago yeah, when absolutely. she said, how can I not take this personally? This is my life. This is my blood, sweat, and tears, my time away from my kids. How would I not take this personally? It's a very human answer. No, 100%. You know, and this is where culture plays an important role. Um, you know, I, I, I have... Now, you know, almost 11 years experience um, living and working in Europe okay. um, and obviously before that in, in the United States. And, and I think it's a, it, there is a difference um, in, in perspective sometimes from a cultural perspective, whereas in the United States, I think people tend to be a little more um, non-emotional about, about business. Um, whereas, you know, in, in certain cultures or countries in Europe, um, relationships and business um, very much go hand in hand, um, and it's it's a little bit more old school, uh, sort of you know, quote unquote. Hey, moving forward, listeners! If you're enjoying today's episode, consider supporting the podcast. You can purchase a copy of the Corporate Clichés Adult Coloring Book, or try out Amazon Prime or Audible using one of my affiliate links, which you can find in the write up for any of the episodes at bemovingforward.com. I never realized that or actually thought about it. How did you learn to navigate that when you first entered the European scene? <laughs> a lot of stops and starts. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, the, the various countries and cultures um, in Europe are obviously incredibly diversified um, on any given day. And this is, this is one thing that really does actually, even, even after, you know, having done this for, you know, almost 11 years now, um, it, it, it's crazy to me sometimes when I'm on the phone or I'm writing emails and I sort of take a step back at the end of a long day and I say, wait a minute, this is, this is quite special. I, I did a call in Spanish. I was writing emails to people in Paris. Um, I was reading reports from Germany. Um, I had to get on the phone to the landlord in Stockholm. Um, so on any given day, I'm dealing with, you know, anywhere between two to nine countries. Um, and to me, that is, uh, I just sort of take a step back, especially as an American. I say, wow, how lucky is that? I mean, it's just, it's, it's a little bit of a, um, you know, of a reality check sometimes. Yeah, I can only imagine. And then knowing the customs and protocol which e with each one of them, I would think that that would get a little intricate, I guess I would say, from time to time. 
Yeah, it, it definitely pays to be diplomatic um, okay. and to, under, uh, to understand and to respect and to appreciate um, the various cultures and, and what is important in one country or one city even may be very um, different um, in another region. So, it, and, you know, and that, in fairness, that goes to the United States as well, because True. if you look at the U.S., um, in a lot of ways, we almost have five or six di- very different distinct cultures around the country. Um you know, that have, de- that have developed and evolved uh, over the last 250 years. So it's, it, I think it's worthwhile for any entrepreneur or any business person to really always be conscious and appreciate and respect the, the different perspectives and the different cultures that are um, potentially flowing through one's, one's business, whether it's customers or employees. Yeah, definitely. I like that. I hadn't really thought of it from that perspective before. So next question and that sounds hard, but I wanted to ask, and I ask this of all my guests, what's the hardest thing that's happened to you and how have you used that as fuel for your success? Well, when I was 19, my parents passed away and uh, it, was, it was relatively tragic and very sudden and, and, and a complete shock. Uh, and I think that was a, I mean, it's an obvious sort of defining moment where you have to sink or swim and... Um, you know, again, rightly or wrongly, um, I've used that to motivate me in my life because I think, you know, there was a fork in the road where I could have taken a step back and said, you know, I'm a victim here. It's a tragedy. Um, you know, woe is me. Um, or, you know, I'm the sort of captain of my own destiny and I have to dust myself off and, and stand up again and square my shoulders and go forward in the world and try to make the best out of the situation. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if I have or not. I've, I'm always trying to assess and see, you know, if I'm doing the right thing and, and if I've made the right moves, both personally and professionally. But I think that time of tragedy really crystallized um, my internal moral compass and my willingness and desire to make an imprint and, and do something in my life um, that had meaning and that impacted people in a positive way, whether that's economically or, um, or socially or culturally. I, I have to pause there. I just, it, 19 is such a young age. And I think I have a nephew who's just turned 18 and your brain's not even fully developed and you still have your floaties on. You're just trying to get acclimated to the water at that point. How, and who were the influences that led you to be the captain of your own destiny versus to be in victim mode? Because I think it's so easy to get caught up in that. And certainly with things far less tragic, like, oh, my God, I had to wait in line at the DMV or whatever it happens to be that day. So who were your influences and how did they steer you in the other direction? Well, you know, I, I think from a sort of a big picture perspective, how I'd like to answer this question is to really turn around a little bit and be a little bit more general, which is that I think every person as they seek to find their own path in their, in their life and in their career when they're younger. So whether it's 18 or 20 or 25, even, um, I think it's really important to try to find people who are your elders, um, and whose life you want to actually emulate. So, as you look for a mentor or a family, um, you know, family support or a father figure or mother figure or whatever it may be, 
I, I think it's really important to look at what they've accomplished and where they are at at their age. So let's just say, let's take a round number, let's say they're 50 years old, and say, look, at 50, where, where are they? And if, if, if they have a good life, then, and you want to emulate that, that's probably the type of person you want to surround yourself with. Um, and that's what I've tried to do in my life. I've tried to look for mentors or for people who, um, you know, people who inspire me, but at the same time also are grounded and very quietly inspirational. Oh, I like uh, that. Yeah. And, and I, I think the ability to, you know, to lead sort of a life of quiet leadership, I think is very important. I mean, candidly, I, I that is actually not my style. I'm a little more outgoing and, um, and driven. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm very focused at, at sort of a bigger picture level. Um, and that's why I actually like the quiet leaders and why I've tried to surround myself with those types because I think it keeps me balanced and gives me a more thoughtful perspective than perhaps maybe I normally would be. Okay. So let me turn that question around. So with that perspective and having achieved the success that you have, how do you now mentor people who are coming up through the ranks? Well, you know, it's funny. I, you know, just, just as I said that when someone is starting out their career that they should look for a mentor, I think part of being a good mentor is um, to look for smart, um, motivated and talented young individuals and try to surround yourself with them because you become a better manager or leader uh, or entrepreneur when you have those types of people working for you and with you. Um, so, and I also, and I think another good point as well is that I look for, um, when I'm mentoring, I look for people who I know ultimately will outgrow me. Um, and move on from from whether it's a direct role, you know, in generator or um, or in patron capital, um, which is a private equity fund that I work with. Um, I want people to move up and, and out um, at some level because I think that 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 is a great road for them to go achieve their full potential. Um, and and I think that's a, a sort of a powerful point. Yeah, because that yeah. I mean, you have to really set aside your ego when you have that perspective. Absolutely, you know, and, and I, you know, I've had uh, I've had two or three um, individuals who have worked for me who have now gone on, you know, and, and subsequently left Patreon or left Generator and have gone on to, um, you know, onto other things, and they've actually really achieved some amazing things um, in, in their in their young career, and I, I look forward to what they're going to create over the next decade, um, and that gives me great pride. You know, it, it's yeah, something yeah. that uh, makes me. Um, it, it sort of drives me and inspires me. That's pretty cool. I like that. So when do you, with all that you do, feel the most free? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I, I just, I just had a child six months ago. So uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the concept of freedom in terms of time and energy is um, very different today than it was uh, six months or a year ago. But, you know, I, I think I feel most free um, almost after, either after or before something has been accomplished. And and I think again, you know, I, I don't I don't know the actual um, quote to to attribute something to or to attribute to a specific person, but there's a phrase that says the moment before it starts. 
And it can be anything. It can be a project. It could be a night that you curated for an event in, in one of our hotels. Um, it could be a, a moment where you're about to do a big presentation to the board um, or where you're about to present your strategic vision for a new property, um, which is something that I, I'm responsible for, uh, for Generator. Um, so it's that, that quiet moment before something starts or right after it ends, which for me is a sense of freedom. I love that. It's like a sense of anticipation. It feels like when you describe it. Absolutely. Mm. And on that same note, when do you feel the most loved? Well, the most loved is when I walk in, you know, walk into, uh, the door at home and, uh, and I have my, uh, my baby who now actually recognizes me and my dog who, uh, who I probably um, spend way too much time with, but uh, <laughs> those are those are the moments that you know. Obviously, it's it's important. Um, I think to recognize those moments, and I think actually that's an area where a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners probably um, do a disservice to themselves and to their to their loved ones, um, where they probably don't spend enough time. And and I include myself in that indictment. Um, you know, I I certainly am guilty of being sometimes too, too focused or too obsessed on, um, on business and, and generator related items. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely would like to, um, would like to see if I can continue to, uh, to maybe enhance or improve certain things in that area. It's funny you say that because it sounds very cliche, but the phrase quality, not quantity comes to mind. And I heard President Obama speaking about this just the other day. When you're home, it's important that you are absolutely 100% present with your kids because they do demand your attention, which you know, even at six months old. But it's the moments that you make count. It's that you appreciate that moment while you're there. Absolutely. And I, I think all of us can learn from that. I mean, it's difficult, especially in the day and age of so many different devices that keep oh, us tethered, yeah. um, you know, that keep us tethered to, uh, to, to work or to, you know, all these other things that distract us. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, I mean, we, I think we all suffer from that and we're all trying to figure out how to, um, how to manage that. Absolutely. No, it's funny. I have a puppy right now and I've learned before I even go in the house, I need to check my phone because if I try to do it in her presence, she will lose her mind. She demands 100% of my attention. So even dogs know when you're distracted. Absolutely. (laughs) So my favorite quote is, be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. So final question, what is your battle today? That's a great quote. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, if, I think if you boil down that quote, um, it's, it's really, it's actually saying, look, be mindful and, and have empathy. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think in terms of what I face every day is this struggle of wanting to build a great company uh, in Generator and wanting to expand the business and create more jobs and create more moments for our customers. Um, but then struggling with the fact that, uh, you know, I also have a family and I have, um, you know, I, we have to also focus the business in terms of executing what we have right now. So I think that's the struggle. You know, the struggle is sometimes we're not actually mindful or present. We think way too much in the future about sort of the next deal or the next expansion or, 
you know, the next dinner that we're going to have with, with our family or whatever it is. When I, and in fact, actually we're sitting in front of an existing business or a family or, or a partner or a wife or a child and we're not actually there. Yeah. So that, that's, that's me, you know, what I struggle with and hopefully, um, you know, again, going back to the comment about attention and focus, I think, you know, all of us can really focus on that and see if we can, if we can do better. I like that. I think that's a good, um, resolution for the new year. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Well, Josh, thank you so much for being here today. It has been very insightful and I hope to speak with you soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about entrepreneurship and talk about some of the stories that we've had at Generator. Um, Generator has been uh, it's been a blessing and an honor to be a part of the company and to be a part of the story. And um, for any listeners out there, if they ever want to come visit and, and stay with us at Generator, by all means, uh, please let me know. That does lead me to the very last question. So if any of our listeners wanted to get in contact with you, are you available on social media? I certainly am. Okay. I certainly am. So you can just Google me and, and find me, Josh Wyatt, and Google Generator. And uh, I'm, you know, I have an open door policy. So I'm uh, always, always interested in meeting people and learning and, and seeing what people uh, have to say. Absolutely. And we'll put some of your contacts on our website as well. Josh, thank you so much. My pleasure. And listeners, thank you. Stay tuned and tune in again tomorrow for another edition of our 50th episode celebration. Until next time, I'm Kristen Nepper. Sadnam. Now it's time for you to move forward and discover the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and BeMovingForward.com. All rights reserved.